It is Thursday. RawMikeRichards.com. Broadcasting live from the DKI Studios in downtown Toronto. 234 King Street East out of the Pacific Junction Hotel. Oh, we got a great show today. If you're a wrestling fan, the information and the background stories you're going to hear from John Robinson going to be pretty cool. If you're a wrestling fan, this is a great show for you. The book is called Creating the Mania. The Mania! As in WrestleMania. And hey, for those who are haters of that particular entertainment genre, well, I would suggest that the billions of dollars that it is worth, Mm -hmm. the millions of fans that they get both live and via pay-per-view or whenever it is on, that the legions of fans of this particular, if you want to say sport or sport entertainment, no one, almost no, no one in terms of a professional organization has done a better job. Okay, the NFL. But it is... if Someone would say, well, how can you compare wrestling to the NFL? Easy. Money. Money and audience. That That's how you keep score. Money and audience. So you could have the greatest sport in the world. I love hurling. It's very well done. How many people have seen hurling or know what I'm talking about? And I don't mean the hurling that happens after the Legion at about uh, 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. <laughs> You know they're trying to get rid of legions, too? They better not. What do you mean? There's been a couple of reports saying they're starting to close down more and more legions, and there might come a time where legions don't exist. Isn't that sad? Oh, how how respectful for, for the veterans exactly. that, that had a place exactly. to go where they could talk. And it, Granted, there's not many of them left, no. but, but from my uh, perspective, almost anyone I've met at the legion, it is a very... Uh, community-centric building that even in the smallest of towns in any province in Canada, that they will go there because they have a similar experience because of an uncle, because of a because of a grandfather. They go there, they uh, you know play darts. Like it's really very uh, homey when you think of it that yep. way. And they've always looked after their own. They've always given back to the community. I don't know one legion that isn't a part of any of the communities they're in that they don't donate, send volunteers. And so what? Why would you close that down? What what would be the point of taking that away? from not only the people who have joined, some of them have been there since the 50s. Why is that being taken away? Bingo. This world sometimes really sucks. Yeah, it does. It really does. It does. So, anyway. Well, let's pull some more statues down, too. I'm sure we can find something that yeah. Uh, yeah. that is so topical to, to as I say, most of the time when I want uh, my son or, or your son's daughters to be able to live in this country, maybe afford a house. Afford a house? Should that not be the concern? Shouldn't, shouldn't the economy really be the number one thing that we think about? So for Russell, Russell, pick up the pick up the mic there for a second. It's good. Don't no, worry. No, this is no, no, no. I'm serious. That's why we're not playing the, uh, the 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 Russell music. Okay. So when you look at job opportunities, and you've picked one of the more difficult ones to 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 enter, do you think about at some point purchasing a home? I would like to <laughs> i don't know if it's going to be able to be a thing in the future but i w- would like to you, buy a home and if you had to say and right now how, how old are you 
Uh, I will be 21 in about a month. Okay, so so 21. When's your birthday? September 22nd. Yeah, so very good. Actually, I think that's a month today. No, oh, a month go. yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Yeah. So, but you would say to yourself, in terms of percentage of being able to afford a house, what's the percentage in your head? Like, it depends on what age, but, like, in my 20s, less than 50%. Right. So... I was going to say 25%. Yeah. For... for It's ridiculous. For Dave and my uh, my age group, did I ever think that I couldn't afford a house? Nope. That never dawned on me. Exactly. No, I knew it would be expensive. And for, for our time, I guess it seemed expensive. But now, where literally it is so strange to hear people of, of, of our age group talk about a home or getting a million dollars a million dollars was a fantasy a mm. million dollars you had a million you're getting a million dollars for your house then you lived in like a mansion mm-hmm. that's a mansion now well, it's a bungalow well <laughs> 1500 square foot bungalow in toronto yep in vancouver in montreal uh calgary not as expensive now but it goes in cycles oh, yeah. but i'm saying realistically it's six or seven hundred thousand dollars in your head, depending on how far from one of those major markets or, or bigger cities you choose to live in. Even in uh, even in Mississauga, just about a five minute drive from where I am, they're putting up, they're starting to build a bunch of semis, and the sign outside of them says, "Get in a, on these semis, starting from one point two million." <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And so what we need to really be, be concerned about oh, is pulling right. down a, a, a statue of a man that has been dead for 200 years. What, what we really need to concentrate on is taking away the legion. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I I understand there's a sensitivity. And, and, and for Justin Trudeau, he is Mr. Sensitive. But the reality is, I think we've got to start to understand that not only, yeah, sure, be nice to others. By the way, that were written a long time in a book. There was 10 of these things. Oh, it escapes me now. But it was in there. So it's been around for a while. <laughs> it's been around for a while. So what I really want to see is... He's talking about the Bible. Get our shit together. Start looking after our children so they can actually have a life. So they can afford a home that's not maybe in the Arctic Circle. Because otherwise, otherwise, this whole... Well, remember, uh, 75 years ago... These people did bad things to these people. Yeah, we. I feel bad about that. And I think that's why we are, a. am hoping, a kinder, gentler generation. But we've gone so far to the other side that it's created anger. We've gone so far over the top. It's not about being treated the same. It's about everyone's group is special. We're special. We're a special interest group. Let's look after these communities. We're not getting it, folks. We just don't get it. And history, history will repeat itself. We have learned Nothing. And when I look around the world and when I see what is boiling, and as I said yesterday, the fires that you see on this planet, seemingly in every province we've got these issues, uh, you, you know what happened in California, you see it around the world, it is almost uh, a, a subtle uh, simile for what is going on on the planet because we are burning ourselves up. And it's something something frightens me that it wouldn't take much to have some catastrophic thing happen between one of these hothead uh, leaders. <laughs> like, do you really think that Trump would be afraid to to do something? He's not. Do we think that the, the wingnut over in North Korea, do we really think that he's, you know, as much as they say they're going, we just, we don't know. The Middle East has really, we've you know, for years, you know, when I was a kid, you know, and you see Henry Kissinger, 
mm-hmm. and trying to get you know Israel and Palestine and then all the other groups we've seen since that time with their with their wants and needs, but nobody wants to settle. It's not okay just to be part of the group. Someone needs to prove something. That is my fear. My fear is that it may not even be any of those places I've talked about, but somebody who wants to prove a point, either from a a, a country standpoint or a far left or right religious standpoint, that they feel that they need to make a statement. We've already seen planes fly into a building. Why? It was to make the statement that they're touchable to in the U.S. And what was it? It was an extremist group, not representing the whole, not representing the whole. It was the extremist group. And my fear is, I don't know. And, and I'm not, a, as Dave will tell you, I'm not a pessimi- pessimistic person. I'm not a negative person. But am I that naive to think with all the heated feelings? Uh, and again, whether it's it's from a, uh, you know, a standpoint of what they need to do from their own country, you know, is it an economic need? But sometimes it tends to be a religious one, and I don't see that uh, stopping anytime soon. So I really hope and pray that we understand. Let's get it together. Yeah. <laughs> then and and guess what? I think there's going to be changes. Uh, well, we saw a change in Ontario already. You're going to see one in Alberta, and they are everyone's on their watch looking at that one. Next May, NDP, you're out. Conservatives will be back in, and I would only assume the same thing might happen nationally. Is Justin uh, someone, do you think, yes, that's going to get back in? I think he's somebody that could be replaced, yes. So, look, just for the betterment of the world, and I think this is the thing, it's not It's not like the anger we see south of the border, which it really sort of saddens me. And I understand why there's pushback for Trump, because some of the stuff he does, quite frankly, is it seems like a weird uh, t- uh, reality TV show or a movie that is almost far-fetched. A president who tweets, like, really, like, like, like uh, a normal person, mm-hmm. if I use that term, on a daily basis where you're actually kind of bombing on people. Bingo. Via Twitter. I just never in my lifetime would have thought that, you know, someone of, of that chair in that office. Would do that. Would be. be yeah. Be, totally be, agree. Like, it's, just, it's just bizarre. I wish the best for the world. I really do. Sidebar, because you brought up uh, Henry Kissinger after the show, and you got to remember this, Russell does an excellent Richard Nixon impression. So after the show, get him to do that for you. I'm gonna is that, that boy. I'm waiting for that. Yeah, that's gonna be very exciting. Uh, oh, speaking of exciting, I should have I should have taken the picture. So, f- speaking of fires, there was a huge explosion in Kitchener. Yes, I know. And then <laughs> I'm real. And so I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, go to the TV yesterday afternoon, and there's my cousin John. Uh oh. Did you see those? I put it out there. My cousin John's the 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 fire chief for uh, for all of Kitchener. And it was his wife's birthday yesterday. So I'm like, you know what you got for your birthday? A hero husband. Actually, John didn't really do anything. He just kind of showed up at the press conference. But what a bizarre story, considering what I went through with my pool heater. Uh, but uh, that's what would have happened. That's that's what was so close to happening to my house. So can it happen to anyone? Yeah, it probably can. And it did yesterday in Kitchener. So um, there was at least one fatality, I believe, uh, regarding that. So that was pretty serious uh, yesterday. Very serious, yeah. Uh, also, looking at uh, back to the world of sports, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs make an announcement, and um, Haley Wickenheiser, who we've known for a long time, has been hired as an assistant director of player development. And so, you know, when that uh, when I saw that today, uh, number one, uh, congratulations to Haley Wickenheiser. Uh, if you've ever spent any time with her, you'll know that she is. 
probably one of the coolest people you can sit down with. I mean, she has been uh, a good friend of, uh, of of the show and my show going all the way back to the uh, Calgary days. And I just think that it's interesting that, you know, as you incorporate uh, more women into the world of sport, I have to happen to think if this was years ago, this would have been disastrous. And I can only imagine what some of the locker room shenanigans would have looked like. But this is a day and age where I don't think they would see that. I think the guys uh, of this age group, I don't think it's going to be necessarily the the big crossing uh, a, a, a massive line socially that it was, Dave, maybe 10 or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. We've already seen it in the NBA. Yep. Uh, you see women officials. Uh, you see women doing play-by-play of sports that were completely dominated by men. You can watch college football and hear uh, a female voice now. So is it... Is it that really that stunning that, that a move like this was made? I don't think it is anymore. I don't think it is anymore, and it's a significant name in the industry, in the hockey industry. She might go down, you know, if not the best ever women's hockey player uh, in the history of the game. And uh, <clears throat> her official title is the assistant player development uh, with the Maple Leafs. So she'll. Uh, she's kind of the. I look at it. She's kind of the gordy how of the sport because yeah that's fair i don't put it as a gretzky necessarily because i'm sure there were there was players with a little more finesse and maybe i don't know i'm, I'm not going to sit there and break down you know the cassie campbells of the world i mean they, they would do that mm-hmm. but she seems like the greatest ambassador next to someone like cassie campbell that they've ever that they've the sports ever had and she was kind of the first one yeah exactly because you put you put that into the category you mentioned cassie campbell uh, you know, the, the United States will sit there and talk about Cami Granado. Yeah, who we that's had fair on the too. Show before. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's there's certain trailblazers that, you know, when we're, we're 20, 30, 40 years down the line, we look back at this time where, where women's hockey kind of made that next step and we started seeing it played at the Olympics. And hopefully we're talking about women's hockey being a lot more competitive than the two countries. And basically that's it. And we're talking about U.S. and Canada because there there should be a time where we're looking at Sweden as a superpower, Finland as a superpower, Russia as a women's superpower, and hopefully one day we get a tournament that there's six or seven teams that could win a gold, and legitimately we don't know who's going to win it any given year. See, that's my biggest that's my biggest problem with the, the that entire sport is that every Olympics we just know who the the two uh, finalists are going to be uh, going for the gold, and 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 it's still not close enough for me. I still don't sit there and hold my breath. If Canada's not playing the U.S., I just assume that they're going to win, and sometimes by an embarrassing score. Mm-hmm. And they still have not caught up. Uh, you're watching Raw Mike Richards uh, either on the website or the dedicated YouTube channel. We uh, appreciate that. As I mentioned beforehand, John Robinson, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, Creating the Mania is the name of the book. And so I'm thinking as a as a guy that's not overly versed in the sport itself, but I certainly have known many of the uh, those who have participated uh, in, in my time in Calgary, obviously. Uh, certainly have uh, got to know the Hart family pretty well, including uh, and especially Brett. But when I'm a kid, what was the first... If you ask me what my first name was... Brendan Russell, Steele? Brendan Steele. No. Oh. If you go to The Flying, go to that name. I don't know why this sticks with me. And this is basically going back to mostly Maple Leaf Gardens. But here's the name that, for some reason, I think of first. His opponent, weighing 235 pounds, 
from Amsterdam, this is the Flying Dutchman. <laughs> One fall, time limit, 10 minutes. The Flying Dutchman is the first name I think of. Intimidating. Do you know who I'm... Do- I don't know who yeah. you're talking about. Very intimate crowd. With a uh, jobber in Manitoba called the Tulip. Not well, kidding. George, our first look here. Come on, hey! One Sweet Handsome is one of the partners in the Rip Hop Sweet Handsome team. Look at this here. Look, Hanson's just inviting him to take a special. Yeah. Yeah. I would say times have changed by looking at some of this uh, action. I always felt the the onesie or whatever with the single strap didn't look. It's not very flattering. The King Kong Bundy. Yeah. Yeah. It's. <laughs> and for some reason, this is the guy that I remember first. So. Like this is, we're going back now. This. You started to say, George, you answered at one time. No, this is not Stampede Wrestling because at this point, there's like a hundred of these associations, Dave, as we've learned over the years. They're all separate. They all have their own regions. Punches in the midsection. It's called the territories. 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 The Dutchman. George, I don't think he won. Flying Dutchman. Just the Dutchman. And I think he's fighting the Swede. Down there, went for the leg. Hansen just lowered his center. It's a good rivalry. Yeah, the... Uh-oh. Okay, that was not performed the way. Okay. All right. I think we've seen enough. But this this is this is the and look, this is the kind of stuff when I look at that. That is not your first memory of wrestling, when, is it? When they call it ras- <laughs> was it wrestling? Wrestling. Wrestling. So some of the naysayers would call it that. Like it 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 was regional, it was small town, mm-hmm. but it was televised and it was the ratings. Like people would sit Off around. The chart, yeah. And watch on a what I'm saying what like a Saturday was it a Saturday afternoon Usually or a Saturday, a Saturday morning or a Saturday yeah. afternoon and, yeah and and regionally this is what they watch now here is another one is this uh is this the sweet Sweet Daddy Seeky ah yes now this name was a little more famous this is massive in the Calgary area and also so Maple Leaf Gardens into wrestling this is I believe also it, um so is that C C K L N CKLM. Yeah. And so um, sometimes they go out, you know, in the Atlantic part. Uh, but Sweet Daddy Seeky, they just did a documentary on him, by the way. Oh, I'd like I, to see that. It's one of the CBC sort of docs. Okay, and look apparently it. it's really good. As you find, we've talked how many wrestling documentaries have come out and you're just fascinated mm-hmm. by. It. Sweet Daddy Seeky, as a kid, I always thought, wow, very exotic. You know, obviously he had the, the white hair, uh, thinking, you know, more from the, you know, the Far East. Uh, I think he's, he's American. <laughs> he was born in like Arkansas or something like that. <laughs> but the name, sweet, <laughs> sweet Daddy Seeky, this is when wrestling starts to elevate. And you can tell by the camera work. You can tell by the kind of building it's in. And this is just getting a little bit closer to when I guess Vince McMahon's father mm-hmm. is going to hand it down to him. And he's going to create something, as uh, John Robinson is going to talk about, that is indeed of all the words I can put on what... Uh, follows wrestling, mania might be the best word.
Bill Tabreskin here at ringside to describe the action to you. To suffer the slings and arrows that'll be heaped upon me, of course, by pretty boy Floyd Creechman. Floyd Creechman, there's a, I guess, an old friend of yours. They really throw around that pretty boy handle a little too liberally, if you ask me. We're talking, of course, of Tony Gino Guido. I'm pretty sure you're not saying that these days either. Sweet daddy Seeky. I want to talk about his $10,000 robe there. Well, hold it. Yeah. I'm oh, sure. That's a, that's an accurate assessment. How does your good friend, The Rock, Rocky Delacera, feel about But see, the theatrics at this point, Dave, don't you think this is a little bit of a precursor to to what made like the WWF Absolutely. and the WWE eventually so important? He's ahead of his time here. Because what you're seeing in the next five to ten years is guys like the Macho Man, more of a Ric Flair presence where he's wearing that kind of robe with the fur, with the feathers. Hulk Hogan turns pyro starts being introduced into the ring. He is a natural blonde. Sure. He's got a 50-inch chest, 19-inch arms. Look at that. He's got a 20-inch waist. A 20-inch <laughs> Okay, would you like to borrow my extra pair of glasses? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, right now, a standing wrist lock taken. Sweet Daddy Siki goes to the hair and drags the stallion to the canvas from whence he grabs that wrist lock. Oh, the stallion. Force, physical force. He grabs the... Did he say wristwatch? Hold his opponent to the canvas. We don't... Gatillo has reversed the hold and put Siki to the canvas. Not for a long, not for a long mill. That's true, sweet daddy Siki. Always a very, very capable man a with veteran. tremendous maneuvers. Oh. Always able to get himself out of trouble one way or the other. But, but you can see that, you know, probably from uh, from the, the 50s where, you know, you see a lot of those different holds. They pretty much figured out that it had to be more athletic mm-hmm. than what you saw. That the guys probably had to be in slightly better shape, which... Eventually, as we get closer to uh, the, the the early '80s and the mid 1980s, then you saw guys, and and, and thus the conversation of uh, steroids and and so on, because they started to look like the uh, Stretch Armstrong, sort of the, the almost comic book like sized figures. Very well said. Yeah. And I think maybe who was the first? Was is Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan's the first giant uh, uh, as far as uh, being the poster child because when when Hulk Hogan brought him over from the AWA, which was the territory of Manitoba, Minneapolis, because uh, you know a lot of people don't know this, but Hulk used to wrestle in Winnipeg four or five times a month. Mean Gene Okerlund, Ken Patera, Jesse the Body Ventura, the Killer Bees, the High Flyers, guys like that. Uh, they they would they would be in there, and and, and Vince McMahon found this blonde-haired, tanned, giant of a man, amazing personality, the look, the 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 voice, everything, and brought him over to WWE and basically put the crown on his head and he rode with it for decades. If we're we're talking about Hulk Hogan in that era, then the the macho man where does he fit on that, macho, Mount, macho that man, Mount Rushmore? Yeah, Mount, he is definitely part of it. Probably in the number two, three spot overall. If Hulk's not there, it's Macho Man's Hello? game. We're looking for John Robinson. It's Mike Richards from rawmikerichards.com. 
Hey, what's up, man? Hey, John. John, thanks so much for joining us here. We're live on the air. We've just been looking at um, some of the older clips of, of, I guess what I call the, the, the time of the territories and just how different it was back then pre, uh, you know, WWF, uh, pre, I guess, uh, McMahon taking everything and, and, and making sense of it nationally. And, you know, it, it had its charm. And, and I think it's almost... Um, you know, when you look at the story of wrestling itself and, of course, the book, uh, Creating the Mania, he kind of took the best elements of what he saw in the past, I'd say, almost 30 years and just magnified it and just took it and went to another universe. So in that case, is McMahon, from a business standpoint, is he a, a genius? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because... Uh, he's got this presence about him. Like, uh, I remember, you know, the first time I saw him backstage and it's like, Oh my God, there's the guy that like created my childhood, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he is a genius. He put together everything and brought it, you know, on such a huge global level. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing when you think about what he's done, uh, not only from a business perspective, but from storylines and creating characters and merchandise and movies and television and to the WWE Network. I mean, he's revolutionized the industry. John, when it first happens, there would be certain families in certain areas, not only across Canada, but the United States, that pretty much have had it their own way since probably the 50s. Because in that region, they would be the family. They controlled a lot of the gate uh, the wrestlers that came in how much the wrestlers actually got so when this comes in as an idea to be a national sport was there some pushback from certain areas or territories that didn't want to see it go that way oh i'm sure because you know he's taking their business <laughs> you know uh, you know i think uh, back in the day when you know people used to share champions and you know there are people like andre the giant who would go from territory to territory and you know be a star and you know everyone was kind of shared and i was like no now this is all mine and you know i'm taking these guys and uh you know we're gonna go national and yeah so obviously there's pushback because you know he's putting people driving people out of business yeah certainly john john david bastier good talking to you the name of the book we're talking about creating the mania an inside look of how wrestlemania comes to life i will and that's just of recent year i want to rewind to your first memories because you've you've mentioned it a couple times to me in passing and also on this book that your first memory as of a wrestlemania is wrestlemania 2 mine would be around the same time wrestlemania 1 with you know in 1985 uh when you look at what the first couple were like, which were amazing cards, but they were one-day cards, basically. They, the WWE took over for one day. It's really transformed throughout the 34 years, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I remember turning on, uh, you know, WrestleMania two and, uh, you know, seeing the British Bulldogs and, uh, you know, just blowing my mind of, you know, how incredible these athletes are. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's gone from you know, a one day kind of mega event to a year building up to this mega event. And, you know, obviously now it's, you know, six, seven hours, it's, you know, it's almost like going to a music festival or something. You're spending the whole day kind of celebrating wrestling. Um, you know, it, it's amazing to see the transformation and what it's become. And, you know, if you go to WrestleMania in person, 
then it's like it's almost like Super Bowl week uh, for wrestling fans. Uh, you know, if you go to the Super Bowl, it's not just about the Super Bowl. You know, there's parties throughout the throughout the week, and there's different events that you can go to. And that's kind of how WrestleMania is now, where you can go to video game competitions and you know access and autograph signings and NXT events and Hall of Fame. Uh, it's become this incredible atmosphere where you know you walk down the street and everybody's wearing wrestling shirts and people will start chanting or you know uh, you run into wrestlers both independent wrestlers and wwe people just walking down the street sometimes and it's pretty incredible John, I think that's a great comparison. Dave and I were just talking about just the the enormity of the event, and and you put in Super Bowl. So when I kind of look at what happens uh, in the U.S., if I uh, if I'm looking at a Super Bowl, which is obviously a massive one day event, uh, you could probably argue in terms of uh, of numbers, the Daytona 500 also is a is a massive event. But I think you can easily throw uh, any of the WrestleManias in that category simply by you know in a one day event, the numbers probably from those in the gate, uh, what is uh, sort of monetarily achieved, and when we look at specifically the latter just money-wise just how big is a wrestlemania for a city because it's my understanding that you know not unlike some of these big events cities now bid on something like this yeah it's actually um, a very fascinating part of the book i was able to get into was i was talking to the business people in wwe and they were talking about how you know back in the day it was almost like oh, okay let's let's go to Atlantic city or let's go, you know, um, to Detroit. And now you have, you know, 10 to 15 cities coming in, uh, bidding on WrestleMania cause it's an economic boom for these cities. Uh, you know, restaurants, hotels, they're bringing in, you know, millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, so now cities are coming in and doing presentations and you have the mayors coming in and you have, uh, you know, representatives uh, coming uh, from the community talking about what they can offer WWE. I think before when I first started, WWE was like, oh, what this is what we can offer the city. And now it's the opposite. Now the cities are coming to WWE trying to pitch them and saying, hey, this is why you should have it in Orlando or Miami. Uh, this is why, you know, we would not only make a great WrestleMania town, but maybe a Royal Rumble town. And I think that's what you've seen it morph into is um, people are bidding not only for WrestleMania, but now, you know, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, uh, the big four are also starting to get into these bids. Um, so, yeah, I mean, WWE's just done a phenomenal job on the marketing and and business end. And like I said, like it's, it's just bringing so much revenue to these cities. It's incredible. Yeah, it certainly does, John. Uh, John, just to, just to tell our viewers, and we're, and we're showing pictures of the actual book right now, Creating the Mania. Uh, this book, I guess, if you want to put it in a nutshell, it's basically a year in the making, and you and you start writing about it a day after WrestleMania 33 because it is a, a one-year process. Did you, over that time... I know you saw a lot of live events. You watched a lot of pay-per-views at home and so forth. But uh, maybe take us into the numbers as far as how many wrestlers you talk to behind the scenes, because it's almost like I, I, I sense it, and I and I and I did read the book this last week when we last text and so forth. You must have talked to at least uh, I'm going to say conservatively 85 people in the industry in WWE itself. Oh yeah, I think. <laughs> When WWE said, uh, put in a list of who you want to talk to for this book, 
I, I don't think they thought my request list was going to be, you know, 10 pages long or whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was about, you know, I was like, oh, I want to talk to the cameraman. I want to talk to a director. I want to talk to a guy building the stage. I want to talk to the mayor of New Orleans. I want to talk to, you know, Daniel Bryan, the creative uh, director. I want to talk to, you know, basically everybody who I thought was going to be on the card. Uh, you know, they the WWE laughed. You know, they loved the way the book came out, but, you know, the guy who's in charge of books was cracking up. He was like, yeah, this is definitely the most interviews we've ever done for one of our books. (laughs) It was like every week I would be watching a show and be like, oh, okay. You know, now it looks like, uh, you know, Randy Orton, you know, we knew he was going to be involved. But now now that his match is kind of in, okay, I want to talk to Randy. Okay, now I kind of know what's happening with Sami Zayn. Let's talk to Sami. Um, you know, the Daniel Bryan situation, it was so fluid. When I first talked to him, it was like, oh, he's not going to be in. Uh, you know, he didn't even know what he was going to do. He was trying to be cleared. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, a few weeks later, you know, he got cleared and, and it changed the entire card. Um, but, you know, uh, it was pretty interesting because, you know, having or getting to talk to like the people in creative multiple times, I kind of saw the card evolve, you know, like they would tell me, Oh, okay, we're going to do Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'd have that in the back of my mind while I'm talking to Seth and Dean. And then it's like, okay, Dean got injured. So, so that match is scrapped. Um, you know, they were going to do Jason Jordan versus Kurt Angle. Then Jason got injured. Um, and we think of like the domino effect, that these matches would have had on the rest of the card. Cause then it's like, okay, if it's Jason Jordan versus Kurt Angle, who's Ronda Rousey's partner, you know, and how's that storyline change? Uh, you know, so it, it's pretty fascinating to see um, throughout the year, what I was being told and then what ended up happening. We're in conversation with John Robinson. The book is called creating the mania uh, of, of the many books that he has written on it. And, and I would say this, John, so for me, I've always just been outside probably what is called a, a fan of wrestling. I just had a casual knowledge of it until probably the mid nineties where a state a radio station I'm working at, they had set it up where they're playing in Hamilton at the Coliseum. And I was uh, to be the fill-in manager for the honky tonk man. And it was uh, <laughs> Billy Gunn. Now, so, so I'm a little naive to what goes on, but what was fascinating there's a bunch of things number one behind the scenes it's like a circus family i guess is the only way i could put it they all have these conversations and relationships with each other some of them are newer to it than others i sit down with a very young china and she is telling me the story in the dressing this dressing room and this is pre any work done on her whatsoever she's not as big or you know the face changing and so on she's almost in tears telling me how hard it is to catch on in this world, what the what the crowd says to her, what little kids say to her. And uh, at, at that moment, I'm swept away. we got to go out and do the intros and so on. The crowd goes crazy. But the efficiency of how they do that show, and I would say it's a show, is probably professionally maybe the, the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. To a second, to a T, everybody knew what they were doing. They handed me a big wad of money, <laughs> on the way out and pushed me out the door, and then it was over. I mean, it was it was that quick, that efficient, and I don't know, in, in my experience as, as, as someone in the entertainment broadcasting world, I don't think I've seen anything in comparison to what I see in terms of the professionalism that they have in that business. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. And actually, one, like the television director that for WWE that I talked to in the book, 
um, he mentions like, oh, yeah, I've worked, you know, as a cameraman on, you know, for NFL, NBA, MLB. He's like, there's nothing like WWE and what they produce on a weekly basis. And, yeah, you're right. A lot of it is the professionalism. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's crazy to be behind the scenes and, and walking around. Uh, you know, some of the interviews I got to do in person, like uh, I went and met up with Roman Reigns before Raw and, you know, like as the they're going over the matches, like all the other people, all the other wrestlers, superstars are in the ring going over their matches. I'm sitting there with Roman Reigns for like an hour, just, you know, talking WrestleMania and talking about Brock Lesnar and, you know, life on the road. Um, you know, it's cool. I got to sit in basically an empty arena with Braun Strowman. He's like, hey, come with me. And, you know, it was like four hours before, uh, you know, his match. And we're the only two people in the entire arena just like, you know, sitting there chopping it up. Uh, it's a pretty awesome experience and to, to be able to listen firsthand to, to these guys and to see up close like Braun Strowman. Oh, my God. Like, you know, monster among men. When you get next to him, it's like, oh, I can't believe how huge he is. <laughs> you know, like, this, this guy was this guy could like crush my head in any second if you want. <laughs> hey, John, throughout, throughout writing it and throughout the other books, cause you, you have an awesome ultimate warrior book that I definitely recommend as well. Uh, among others, did you ever get a chance to sit near or by or in the gorilla section? And if for anybody listening, gorilla section is basically the, the, the mind, the brain trust of what actually happens in the event. Vince McMahon sits uh, right in, in area just outside of, the curtain they call it gorilla because as soon as you you walk through the curtains you're on you're on the air did you ever get a chance to kind of sit in, in where and in where everything that kind of coordinates it the brain of the operation um and everything about an event did you ever get a chance to do that uh you know i'd see it i'd be close by um but yeah no they never let me like you know, mm. sit in, in gorilla while the event was going on. I think uh, I had amazing access, but you know, even there was, there were limits. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, because if you were in there, that may have been the best experience ever. And that's why I wanted to see if you were actually I I invited because I, I would actually be surprised if you told me yes. Oh, you know, uh, that, that would be, that would just be incredible. But now that I think not that I would be in the way, but I would hate to do anything, even personally, like uh, that I would don't want to screw anything up, <laughs> <laughs> where I'd get kicked out and never, never to return. <laughs> but like, you know, I'd hate to like, you know, even drink something back there and like spill it on fence or something i could just see <laughs> yeah i got news that that wouldn't be the best the, the first spill that happens backstage <laughs> i got i got a feeling um and you know you talk about size and you know I, that same night that i had to do that thing uh everything was kind of laughs and giggles but there was one moment and i guess they do this to uh rookies or or, or, or neil fights like myself gold dust comes up uh and kind of corners me and puts me in the corner and doesn't say anything and all the other wrestlers are kind of watching because this massive uh, being. And I got to tell you, it went, uh, that was not fun. I was, I was, I was sweating there because I didn't know what was going to happen. Maybe they do it to everybody, but it's just you know because they do crazy good. And I think that that crazy exists in that sport. But in your experience with talking to all these wrestlers, is there one wrestler specifically that they say that dude is crazy? And and I, I I'm just guessing. Was the Ultimate Warrior in the, in that category? <laughs> oh, you know, 
the thing about Warrior is, like, once I got him on the phone, like, you know, it'd be like 45 minutes later during a 15-minute interview, you know, like, oh, I actually have to go. Oh, well, let me tell you this other story. Okay, well, wait, you know, like, I got stuff to do. <laughs> he would just talk and talk and talk. And, uh, you know, like, once he got on a roll, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Uh, I was like, wow, I've never talked that much in my entire life. Um, you know, uh, uh, one guy that I thought was pretty funny was Bray Wyatt. Uh, for the NXT, uh, I wrote a book on NXT and he was telling me how, like when he came up with the Bray Wyatt character, uh, he actually went to jury duty in full costume and (laughs) in gimmick. (laughs) So, you know, I I can't imagine like the judge asking him questions and him answering, you know, (laughs) that is awesome. That is awesome. Hey, what's your favorite WrestleMania? Do you like? I I still look back at my childhood. I I still I know this is a very popular answer, but I I still look at Steamboat Macho Man in WrestleMania three, and and WrestleMania three maybe my favorite because of the Hulk Andre angle, and 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 when Hulk actually well okay he sort of body slammed Andre the Giant, but just the way the whole the whole setup for that whole card and everything like that that's probably my favorite memory do you have a favorite wrestlemania <laughs> yeah you just stole my answer though but yeah <laughs> <laughs> wrestlemania 3 you know like 2's the first one i watched 3's the one that i think made me a fan for life yes um you know 3 it just had so much about it like you know uh, the 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 rings that the little rings they wrote in uh you know to to the ring or That's like right. you know getting uh plus like just so many people i've never seen a crowd that big for an event i was just blown away and then yeah ricky dragon steamboat was probably my favorite uh, when i was a kid so like to see him and macho man go out which is probably still you know my favorite match of all time um you know that there's just so many little things in that on that card that I've never seen before, like uh, you know King Kong Bundy uh, splashing, uh, <laughs> uh, taking out he took out like a midget wrestler, right? Yes. And it, it was like stuff, <laughs> stuff I just stuff I'd never seen. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, so true. Uh, See those um, those yeah. midget, the midget and wrestlers I, I freak me out. The r- midget wrestlers, I got a thing. It kind of freaks me out. Like little Lord Beaverbrook and all those little ones. He was part around. of that match. Oh, that he freaked me out. That, that freaked me out. I, I like to see them thrown. Sorry, I just do. I did. And then yeah, I didn't even mention Hogan Andre, which is just such a spectacle. Uh, you know, I think WrestleMania three to me has the characters. You know, like uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, you know, you saw Brutus the Barber out there, shaven head, uh, you know, and I talked to Piper and I asked him, like, what his favorite match of all time was. And he was talking about, you know, him versus Adrian Adonis, um, you know, so I think, like, even among the wrestlers themselves, they look back at that card as, as something monumental and iconic. And uh, like I said, that that's the one that made me a fan for life. John, I guess I've probably never asked this question of someone who's who's made a living, uh, you know, with their relationship with that particular sport. Because uh, it's funny, like Dave will put up with it. We have a lot of, of like, there's a lot of wrestlers and, and, and people in the wrestling business that have come on our shows over the years. And it's funny, those that aren't into wrestling, those, say, bosses that aren't into wrestling, they, they look at Dave and others that are in it and say, well, 
is it's fake or what are you 12 you get these ribbings these 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 uh cutting jabs at people that are non-wrestling fans because and they just don't get it what, what, what's your answer to that when when someone comes up and said what are you kidding me wrestling what are you what are you 10 what do you say to them john oh it's funny so when i first met my wife when we went on like our you know second date i was telling her how uh, you know, I was big into wrestling and she was like, Oh, this is like the most ridiculous thing ever. No, no. And uh, yeah. I was like, Oh, well it's funny because, uh, back then, so I was writing for this video game magazine called game pro. And, uh, I actually became friends with some of the wrestlers back in the day, like D'Lo Brown and the rock and, uh, the, the nation, I used to play video games with them all the time. So they, they, they just happened to be in town. So I was like, Hey, you let's go meet some of my friends. So I bring her to, <laughs> you know, San Jose Monday night raw. And, uh, the rocks like, Oh, uh, Hey, go sit uh, with his then wife, Danny. He's like, here's tickets, you know, sit with her. And, uh, we're sitting there and, uh, the rocks fighting triple H and, uh, uh as a rib, uh, <laughs> rock through triple H on top of my girlfriend. Who's now my wife, <laughs> like in the crowd. <laughs> That is pretty funny. You know, and what uh, true story, John? Um, I, I'm pretty good friends with Christian of Christian and Edge fame, and we brought up your name, and Christian said, and I'm not joking, you are phenomenal at video games, and the guys loved playing video games with you. He totally remembers Johnny Ball game as you were kind of nicknamed, uh, and uh, and you know Christian is pretty good at video games too, especially a certain one. Oh man, Christian is amazing at top spinner or whatever this tennis game is like he he was ranked i think at one time like online in the world he was ranked you know top 10 top 20 i forget but like he he's he's an elite video game player (laughs) but yeah yeah i love christian uh he's a great guy and yeah he's another one that yeah i'd bring games back with with d-lo and christian would come by and we'd play um you know a lot of the guys just i think is they're there so early, um, you know, they go to catering and then they have like a few hours to kill. So if I came back with a PlayStation and Madden or NHL, something to play, yeah, like, uh, you know, we'd all sit around and, and chop it up and play some games. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty funny because uh, I actually work for a video game company called Koai Tecmo, you know, like they make Tecmo Bowl back in the day. Oh, fantastic uh, make- game. Yep. Yes, so uh, I do PR for them, and uh, you know we make a game called Dead or Alive. And at E3 this year, uh, someone from WWE walked in our booth and was like, "Oh, uh, is it cool if New Day comes in?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." Like I, I know Kofi for a long time, and Kofi came in, and he didn't know I worked there because he just knew me from like interviewing him for books and interviewing him when I used to work at ESPN and. Uh, he came in. I was like, "Oh man, you know, like what's up?" And then, uh, yeah, the, the new day came in, played Dead or Alive for a while, did a video for Up, Up, Down, Down. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, it's just funny to see like the worlds colliding of, of wrestling and video games, and how it's been for me, you know, throughout my career to just continue to see it even now. Uh, you know, hooking up uh, Xavier and Kofi and, and Eve playing video games. Isn't it funny you mentioned that Kofi Kingston was on our show, and he was awesome. 
Like, he was an awesome guy. I think that's still online. If you go to YouTube, you can still find it. Yeah, really good dude. Yeah. We had him in the studio for about a half an hour, and that guy that guy could almost do anything. And athletically, uh, you know, he's in a good spot right now, but even when he was solo, and I think you'll agree with it, John, uh, maybe one of the most athletic guys that could probably do anything if you asked him to do it. Oh, man, yeah. He's been one of my favorites for for years in WWE and before New Day I was always like man like knowing him and knowing his personality it was always baffling to me like how he didn't get a bigger push or how he didn't get more mic time because I mean he's such a great guy and such a great speaker and it, it comes across I think on television and obviously with New Day now you know I think everybody sees it um, but you know he's just got like that it factor about him yes uh, both at athletically and personality wise uh, so you know it's phenomenal for to see new day just continue to blow up I mean, all three of them are great guys and i think like the magic they have there and uh, xavier actually talks about it in my book is that you know they try to crack each other up and then if they crack each other up then they use it on tv but like if someone says a joke and they don't laugh then they don't use it on tv you know so like <laughs> they're almost like uh, their own judges for for creative and, uh, you know, they're given a lot of leeway, and I think they just they took the ball and they ran with it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when Kofi was doing the thing back in the day with Randy Orton and, you know, with the, the NASCAR and, you know, dropped the paint on him and he did the, the – he jumped from the crowd through the table, uh, I thought Kofi was going, you know, through the roof. I thought, uh, man, this guy is going to be a champion. And I'm not – for whatever reason, there were speed bumps along the way, but – it's great that he's back up on top of Cardinal. John, thanks so much for joining us this morning, man. It's just been a pleasure talking with you. The book is fascinating. The book is called Creating the Mania. I'm sure if you're wrestling fans, this is going to be a must-have book. Uh, just so enjoyable talking to you about, and a lot of fun uh, just sort of reminiscing about uh, about the sport itself and the characters that make it and the uh, culmination of all those things making the literally billions of dollars that it does so it was fascinating this morning john thanks so much for joining us i appreciate it hey thanks so much for having me uh that is uh, john robinson once again uh, joining us here the book is called creating the mania and if you're a wrestling fan boy i, I gotta think that uh you know how could you not want to have this book yeah absolutely ecw press and uh it is uh, out in all good bookstores it was uh, released on the 7th of august so we were lucky enough to get them this morning in san francisco you're watching RawMikeRichards.com either on the website or the dedicated YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe as I see you, you uh, continue to do it. Uh, we like to see that. Now, before we went to John, I played uh, a, a Sweet Daddy Seeky. Now, this goes now to Grand Prix Wrestling, it was called. To me, the promos at times, Dave, the promos were just as good as sometimes better than the fights because it is the world of, of the insane. And as you know... The Ultimate Warrior, Warrior, I guess, is he, he, didn't he change his name? The Ultimate Warrior? I think he changed his name to Warrior at some point. Did he? Uh, not? To just Warrior yeah, legally. Yes, legally. legally. Like legally. if license Warrior. Warrior. It actually says it on Like they're going, hey, isn't it uh, Dan Stevens? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> warrior. warrior. Like that's, that's what it was. So here is a promo between Sweet Daddy Seeky and someone called, I don't know if you know this, the Cuban, this is nice, the Cuban Assassin who looks literally and exactly like Charles Manson, minus the swastika uh, tattoo on the forehead. But trust me, just as crazy. 
<laughs> you should have seen what we did to Archie Goldie and Stephen Pettibar last week. After we beat them up so bad to Cuban and I, you know, they have the nerve to want to have a street fight. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you one thing, Archie Goldie. The Cuban and I, we grew up on street fights. We know everything to be known about street fights. Don't you ever tell anybody that you're the stomper because we stomped you last week more than anybody ever stopped anybody. And <laughs> what are we going to do to them, Cuban? Archie Goldie and the student party path. When you talk about love, we are the greatest. When Sounds you like talk about neighbor. boxing, we are tigers. When you talk about wrestling, we are the master of disaster. And if you talk about a street fight uh -oh. in Cuba, when we fight, don't we do fight it. to the finish. We fight in the park. We, we fight. Don't take the shirt off. That's exactly what we, we do over there. Won, and there's no way that a two Canadian like Archie Goldie and a Stephen Paddy Pat can go in that ring and try to be three daddy sick and the Cuban assassin. Yeah, I didn't catch a word. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That looked crazy. That looks crazy. And before we go, I do want to sneak one more in. This is one of Dave's favorites, I believe. Against one of my favorites, who I did not know was uh, at the time, of course, as I'm watching Canadian football, that he was going to wrestle as well. So here is a classic. This is the Iron Sheik. Oh, yes. Who loves Dave Bastel, by the way. Oh, does he ever. We got to get find that clip of he loved you i still have the interview at home unedited versus angela mosca who went by king kong i believe at this point i believe he was king kong and this is a cage match a cage match there he is your attention please ladies and gentlemen your attention please this is the final event of the evening one fall or the 10 p.m. curfew for the Canadian Heavyweight Wrestling Champion. There's a curfew? This boat, as you can see, will be fought in a steel cage. Introducing first in the blue corner, the former all-star of the Canadian Football League, weighing 301 pounds, Angelo King Kong Mosca. in the red corner from Iran weighing 260 pounds the Canadian heavyweight wrestling champion Hossein the great Arab special national wrestling alliance the great Arab George Scott he's added multiple names one fall or the 10 p.m. curfew Billy Red Lions, this is it. Nobody, in recent times at least, has been talked about more than this one. Just to bring our fans up to date, the last meeting between these two for the Canadian Championship ended up with Hussein, the great Arab, retaining his title because he ran away. That's right. So they've instituted, as you can see... Check out his boots on the Sheik, by the way, the curls in the front. They have locked the door behind him, so there is absolutely no running away this time. Yeah, no running away. And the special referee for this match has been appointed by the NWA, George Scott.
Look at that. That's a big crowd. This is big time right here. There we see Hossein It's funny in these house shows, Mike. Looking if there's any way he can possibly. The wrestlers will go around the ring testing it, yeah. <laughs> just for their own safety. Yes. They they make they don't make it look like that, but they actually do it for. Them. All right, they block the door. You can see referee George Scott doing that. Yeah, right lock that door. Come on, George, get to it. Angela Mosca goes to work on his greatest adversary since the years in the Canadian Football League, Hossein the Great Arab. I would say Joe Capp's probably the scarier uh, <laughs> opponent. Second at 8 p.m., Maple Leaf Wrestling will return to the Brantford Civic Center, featuring all the stars seen here on Maple Leaf Wrestling, including the new Canadian heavyweight champion, Angelo King Kong Master. See, look at that. And it, this was huge in the day watching it, the, where the upcoming fights were going to be. The Mass Destroyer will be there, along with Louis Lawrence. Cowboy Frankie Lane will be there, also Jim Nelson. Johnny Weaver will take on Jimmy the Superfly Snuka. The great Hossein Arab will go up against George Wells. United States heavyweight champion Rick Nature Boy Flair will risk his title against Greg Valentine. Oh. A Canadian heavyweight title match, no disqualifications in this one. Angelo King Kong Moscow, the champion, will put his title on the line against the Russian bear Ivan Kolov. Remember, that's Sunday, February 1st, 7.30 p.m., Toronto's Maple Leaf Garden. Yeah, known as the Iron Sheik, he was also the great Arab uh, Colonel Mustafa. Some people might know him, and also Ali Vassara. Those were his four ring names, the Iron Sheik. Well, that is for wrestling fans. That was uh, quite a show. I'd like to thank uh, our guest, John Robinson, the book called Creating the Mania. Uh, all the history that goes, and, and trust me, of all the sports, the history is really quite incredible, which is why when they do these documentaries, on wrestling you don't have to be a wrestling fan nope the history itself is is absolutely extraordinary Let's get ready to once again we thank uh john uh, the wrestling can imagine having a, a private conversation with a warrior couldn't even imagine it. <laughs> hey have yourself a great day remember to continue to subscribe yeah do it yeah